All right. So there's Pastor Iguana Man. She saw that, I'm sure. Switch gears here from uh, Nicaragua back to back to uh, Washougal. Uh, there is an informational meeting right after the service. You can find it. They'll they'll start up in the conference room up there, and I think usher you off to a secret location. But anyway, we're going to uh, first of all look into uh, God's word today. Anyone? Uh, anyone? How many of you like to play Monopoly? Awesome. Yeah. See, most of you do. And then, uh, anyone really? Does not like to play Monopoly. Yes, see, there's a few. Yeah, but you're, they always made you play anyway, right? So that's that's kind of the way uh, families work. Um, lots of you love to play Monopoly, but here's the more challenging thing: anyone willing to uh, share their uh, just a little bit of their strategy for winning Monopoly? Okay, so who was that over here? <laughs> I love that. They're giving her up. So, and your name is? Uh, my name is Marnie Starrett. Marnie. And your strategy is? Watch my brothers cheat. I never cheated. Oh. Okay, so, I see. This is a good clarification. Anyone else have a, a strategy for winning Monopoly right over here? All right. Tell us your name. Lucille, and it's all about investing and taking a chance and moving forward. Okay. So you got to invest, but it's there's risk. There's risk, definitely. Okay, okay so uh, then i got one other you question for you. You don't lose if you don't take a chance or you don't win. Or you don't win. Okay. So, you know, you start with $1,500. So I got, I got $1,500 for you here. So there's one more question. You've got your money, you know, and then you've got your properties, and... Um, and the question is, what do you do with your stuff? Do you, do you personally, like, put all your money out in, by denomination? Or do you hide it in your pocket? Or do you hide it under the board? Or do you put, like, your 10s and 20s out, but you hide your 500s in your pocket? Which, which kind of you? You put it all out, and you don't um, put everything in one basket. You okay. kind of spread it out and decide... What you feel is best, and pray. Uh, and pray. <laughs> Duh. Thank you. All right. I'll take this back because you can't really. It's not good anywhere. So. All right. Well, thank you. That's a, that's a new one. You, you can pray in the middle of Monopoly. Now, th- that's interesting. So if some of you are frustrated because you always lose Monopoly, you can talk to Lucille afterwards. She'll give you some more pointers. There, people are really into that. You know, do you know what the, the most landed on square in Monopoly? Anyone know that? Uh, it's Illinois. Statistically, Illinois is the most landed on square. And the key to winning, I see Matthias will... He'll be mad that I gave this away. Right away, he told me, oh, you buy the orange. The orange is like the best investment value and some of the most landed on property. So anyway, that's it. And, and you, you never buy the purple. They're, they're really bad. So anyway, so there it goes. Monopoly. We're thinking about, uh, we're thinking about winning today, uh, strategies for winning, but of course, not so much Monopoly as winning people to Christ. And our, our series, Life's Too Short, has a theme verse. It's the great 
commission, which says uh, Jesus to his church, his final instructions were, were that we would go, we'd make disciples of all nations, we'd baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and we'd teach them everything he commanded, everything we taught. We would teach them about who he is and all those things. Now, if you're fairly new to Gateway, I'll catch you up really quick. We have a focus when we're trying to fulfill this commandment. Uh, That focus is our oikos, which is to say, to recognize that God has put You know, some people in our lives, maybe about a dozen people in our lives, and we have a connection with them. And we think about, now, how would God possibly want to reach people that you know? There's a very good chance he has you in mind to be involved in that process. And so you focus on those people you already know. And then we have a strategy, which uh, uh, most of you will also be familiar with, about what do we do with those people in our oikos. And we say that we go and we invest and we inform, and we invite. And so I'm going to kind of do these in reverse order. The last thing we do is, is we invite, and we invite people. Sometimes there, there's a moment when it's just time to, uh, to ask someone if they want a relationship with Christ. Maybe right now they'd like to start a, a relationship with God. And let me just tell you how that's done. It's, it's really simple. It's like pretty much any other relationship, and you start with trust and those kinds of things. And so you get to invite people to Christ. Sometimes you're inviting them to uh, be around God's family. It's just a simple invitation to church, for example. So uh, in your bulletin, you'll notice this weekend, you got an invitation to Easter. That actually wasn't for you. That was for you to give away to someone to bring them back. It's just two weeks away. Be a great time. Uh, Pastor Bob will be speaking about life's too short, kind of from a different perspective than we've been thinking about for ourselves but life's too short to miss God. And so uh, come back for that, invite people. And of course, before that comes some, some information, some level of information people need to know about God. They need to understand the gospel. You remember a couple weeks ago, uh, Bob was talking about the, our need to be able to talk about that. Maybe uh, to be able to know that we could talk about the gospel in 20 seconds. Could you summarize it in 20 seconds? Maybe you've practiced that. Or in two minutes. Or he didn't say this, but, you know, could you talk about it for two hours? I, I don't want to make that like a heavy thing. But, you know, like, could you just have an ongoing conversation about the gospel? The fact that, that we are injured, we're broken people, we, uh, we hurt others, and we, and we have been hurt ourselves. And that God's plan, his provision of Christ on the cross, when we trust that, when we have faith in that, we experience grace from him. It's the gospel. And we need to be able to inform people about that. And then, of course, there's investing. That actually comes first. We just need relationship with people. You know, they're not, they're not projects. They're people. They're friends. They're relatives. They're co-workers. They're, they're treasured people to us. And so that's expressing friendship and interest. And sometimes it's meeting some of their practical needs and so forth. And so today, it's that investing part we're going to think about. And when I think about investing really of any kind, investing anything in your life, I always think first of of Jesus' sort of core principle on investing. Matthew 6, he says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Really simple principle. If the things you're after in life, if the things you want to gain in your life are are very temporal, if they're susceptible to rust, you're going to lose those, right? If someone can steal it from you, right, 
then that's not a very reliable thing to try and gain in your life or to make your life about. When we invest in the wrong things, we lose. And when we lose, life feels really, really short. You know, if what I'm after is something that I won't have 10 years from now, then life's way, way, way too fast. And life is too short not to win and win at the very best things, at enduring things. Jesus says, invest in the stuff that lasts. You should have the best kind of wins in your life. Your life should be about obtaining the best things. Winning people to Christ is the kind of thing that's a great gain, is a tremendous reward. That's what we're going to look at today. There's probably no better uh, expert at disciple-making than Paul, and he gives us a great principle in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. It's in your notes there, or it's in your Bible too, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. He says, though I am free, this is Paul, and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Now in that first verse, we find a great strategy, a great strategy for winning people and and winning the very best things in life. It's there in verse 19. He says, I'm free, though I'm free and I belong to no one. I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. He mentions several things in here that I'm going to kind of try and unpack for us in a sequence. The first thing would be to take inventory. Now, when you play Monopoly, um, there I was thinking there are some some things that you just hear. There are some really common sounds. You know, we, I could have probably not mentioned Monopoly, given you a, a soundtrack of this, and you'd know what I was talking about. For example, right. And do you, do you have someone in your family who just thinks like the, the dots are going to wear off if they shake them long enough or something? You know, it's like you got to really shake those up. And, and so you hear that, right? Here's another sound you hear in Monopoly, right? And somebody, you know, gouging the board all along. Right? And then you hear this right after this. You hear, I own it. Right? <laughs> pay. I want to, <laughs> I want pay. And, uh, Let's see, what else do you have? Oh, you, you hear people, um, right? Because you're constantly counting your money, right? You can't win the game and, and, and sort of Lucille talk. I don't know about Marty with cheating, but anyway, with, with Lucille, it's definitely like you're going to need to think about this and you need to constantly sort of keep track of how much you have. Now, this is the whole bank, so obviously you've won if you have that stack. Now, in life, it's really good to take inventory as well. And that's sort of what Paul has done here with his statement that I'm free. He says, I am free. He has lots of resources and assets at his disposal when he thinks about investing. What's he thinking about? Well, he could have in mind here that he's a Roman citizen, 
that he has uh, lots of legal rights and privileges that come as a uh, citizen of Rome. And kind of when you read his life story and his ministry, you see that popping up as a theme from now and then. And, and, and it, it comes in handy to him in spreading the gospel that he's a Roman citizen. He could be thinking just sort of the straightforward meaning. He's a, he's a free person. He lived in a society where there was still slavery. And he's like, that's, that's not me. I'm a free person. I can travel. I have opportunities. I can make choices. Uh, where I go and what I do each day. Uh, I'm free to, to choose those, and, th- and that's a resource at my disposal. He could be thinking uh, spiritually as well, uh, that I'm free in Christ. Paul writes about being free in Christ. He writes that, uh, for example, that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. It's ours. We, we possess that in Christ. In our relationship to God, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. We're fabulously rich, spiritually speaking. He could be thinking about that. So, for example, if you just thought about, about being securely loved, he could view that as a resource. I see I have that in my life. I know I'm securely loved by God. I'm free to go out and love insecure people. There are a lot of people who aren't sure that they're loved. I could handle that because I know I am. See, not I'm better than them, but I just already know I've received this love from God. I'm able to offer it to other people. Now, he could be thinking about all these things or some of these things. One of the things he, he probably definitely is thinking, probably definitely, <laughs> he's definitely thinking is his context with the Corinthians. And that is, he has talked about in the previous uh, two chapters that there is a, a principle really kind of all through life that teachers have a, have a right to be supported by students. Students should support their teachers. So, you know, when you go to college and you're paying a lot, you're, you're supposed to support your teachers anyway. That's a, that's a biblical principle and, and principle in life. But he, he tells the Corinthians, you know, when I came among you, the, though I had a right to be supported that you would help take care of me, I tried not to do that. He was trying to remain free of how that sometimes can kind of complicate relationships. Even though it's the right thing to do, he was like, I was just trying to remain free so that I could, I had the, mo- the maximum possible kinds of freedoms so that I could pour them back into you. And this was his approach to the Corinthians. Now, his language has kind of a, a business financial motif. And so really what he's saying is that I'm, I'm spending, I'm leveraging those resources to gain something to gain spiritual influence in people's lives. Paul's free. And we are free. And it's a good idea that we take inventory as well of all the things that we have. Uh, Not Roman citizens, but I'm guessing that, you know, 99 to 100% of us are are U.S. citizens, and we enjoy a lot of freedoms. And sometimes we're worried that, you know, maybe some of them could disappear and that kind of thing. But, but for the most part, the, the truth is we've, we've got a lot of them. And you see, th- those are assets. Those, are, those gives us freedom that we can use in good ways. We have uh, financial resources. When we think about Nicaragua and some of the, you saw that one, someone asked me, what was that thing made out of sticks? That was someone's home. <laughs> That was someone's house. And so even among us, people who are, who are the most financially struggling here are still, well, we have a lot. 
you know, compared to some. And, and so we do have access to things. And we have personal abilities, and we have those same spiritual blessings, all the, all the blessings in the heavenly realms. And these things are ours, and they're ours to spend wisely, to invest wisely. There's a couple reasons you take inventory. One is because I think most of us have more than we realize. I think our natural bent is to think that we're short on things, that we don't quite have enough of something, whatever it is. I don't have enough talent, or I don't have enough time, or I don't have enough money, or I don't have enough of God's forgiveness, or I don't have enough uh, sense of his presence. You know, it's like we, we always think we're short, but the truth is if we'll take inventory, we're rich. We're free. <laughs> we have all this stuff. That's one reason to take inventory. Another one is that once you know that, once you know how much you have, it's easier to kind of take that off the shelf in your life and say, well, I'm going to invest some of that. Now, a part of being free means that you have the freedom of how you're going to spend that stuff. And will you spend it all on yourself? We like to do that, but before you go that direction, let's think about what we're after in life. You really need to define your win. Now, when you play Monopoly, imagine, uh, I don't know if it's, if it's in the home where you grew up, or maybe you've got kids right now, or you know, maybe you have friends you play Monopoly with. Just think of that setting, picture that setting, and who is it that's sitting around the table with you, right? Now, I have a little, I don't even know who that would be, right? But I know something about who's sitting around the table, Somewhere there, and as soon as I say this, you'll be able to picture them. Someone at that table wants to win, right? They read the rules, and winning means I've got all the cash, and you're all bankrupt, and that's what they want. That's why they're sitting at the table, right? And you know who it is. Now, there's someone else sitting at the table. I don't know who it is, but you do. Someone else is there, and they don't really care that much about winning. They just want to have fun. And this is the person, when you get up and go to the bathroom, they take their electric company card and trade it for your boardwalk card and see if you'll notice, right? You know, I was thinking about this again. They're not trying to cheat. We think like, oh, cheaters, you see, like your brothers, right? Cheaters. No, 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 no. They, they don't even care about winning. They, they are winning when they're doing that because they're having fun. They're poking you because you want to win so bad, right? And so someone there at that table just wants to have fun. Now, someone else there... Um, they're, they're there because it's family night, because it's game night. And so, you know, they just are there for the relationships, right? And so they're the person who's like, oh, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, you own that. I must owe you money, right? You don't even have to watch them. They're like the first ones. They're the ones like, oh, 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 you, somebody owns that. You better pay them. You know, it's like so annoying because if no one sees it, right, you get away with it. But, but you know, it's let's face it, it was mom, right? You know, most of the time it was mom. She's like, oh, I'll pay you, honey. You know, here's $36 or who's, here's $2,000. I'm out. But it was like, that's my win, right? And someone's there for a relationship. That's how it is. We're after different things when we play. And the truth is we're after different things in life. We're after very different things. Now, Paul said he was after a win and that win was winning people to Christ. That's what he was after. Again, it's kind of a, a, a financial business thing. He says, this is the return. This is the gain. 
right? This is what I gain, is I gain people in relationship to Christ. That's my win. He said at the conclusion of our verses here in verse 23, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. He says there's a return on this investment. It's a, it's a blessing. It's connected to the gospel. Now, what is that? Well, it's not his salvation. He already is saved. He's not trying to win people so that he gains something necessarily directly from God, access to God. He already has that. What is it he's gaining? It's the people. It's the people themselves. You know, have you ever, uh, now I understand sometimes this goes horribly wrong the other direction, but maybe you've had a, a school project where it's a, it's a group project. You know, sometimes those are complicated and messy. Or, or at work, a business endeavor, and you're with other people. Or you ride on a plane, and you're, you're trying to get somewhere. But, but, you know, in any of those situations, at the end of it, the, the best thing you got actually was the person you were working with or riding with or whatever it was. It's like, now, that was cool. I, I'm glad I spent that time with that individual. And that's what he's after. The blessings of the gospel here he has in mind are those people. Here's what he says in, uh, to the Philippians in Philippians 4. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I love you and long to see you, for you are my joy and the reward of my work. You're the blessing. You're the crown. You're the reward. And we think, you know, again, what do we always say life's about? How do you get it right? You focus on the right things. It's loving God and loving people. And now we understand that when we leave this life, and we enter heaven, lots of things change big time. But, but doesn't it make sense that the very core and the center of life would actually remain the same? I don't know what you think of heaven being about, but doesn't it make sense that it would be about loving God and loving people? That there would be integrity, a wholeness between this life and the next when we're doing this life right we would be living like citizens of heaven. And see, Paul says, this is the win. There is a richness in being connected to more and more people. And when I get there, he says, brothers and sisters, you're just going to be my reward. So I, I invested myself into you, and now there you'll be with me, and we'll be in God's presence. There's a great win. Define your win. See, what are you after? What are you after? And then he says, invest accordingly. The last part. He says, I, I made myself a slave. Now that, let's face it, those are dramatic words. It's, it's way, way, way over the top, Paul. Seriously, you would, of your own volition, enter into a kind of slavery? Who does that? That, that's absurd. Well, it would be, but it depends on what you're after. And see, that's why he's defined his win in such a way that, like, any, anything I invest in people makes sense. There, there isn't something you could list that I wouldn't give up. They're absolutely worth it. Remember Jesus taught that the truth sets us free 
And of course, the, the foundation, the bedrock of that concept is that the truth of the gospel would set us free forever, free into God's presence, free from sin. That's absolutely the, the, the sort of foundation of that truth. But it plays itself out as a truth in repeated ways in any situation we find ourselves. The truth sets us free. And when we really latch on to the truth that people are eternal and people are infinitely more valuable than anything that rusts (laughs) or that people can steal from us, then it makes sense. It makes sense to even do, as Paul said, make yourself a slave to give away yourself, your rights, your freedoms. Your, your resources, your choices to invest in other people. When you understand how great the return is, and here was the promise that Jesus made in Mark 10. He says, truly I tell you, in other words, you could take this one to the bank, Jesus says. You plan your life around stuff. When Jesus says, truly I tell you, it's like you'll find this is dependable. Jesus said, no one who's left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children's or fields or boardwalk or park place, you know, no one who gives up stuff for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much. He's the banker. He's in charge of the, the interest rate that you get on your investment. And there's never been a more generous manager of your portfolio than Jesus. hundred times as much. No one will fail to receive a hundred times as much when you invest for the gospel. A fabulous return. And so suddenly, really dramatic kinds of investments begin to make sense. Right? I'm looking at the Johnsons over here. Who in their right mind puts everything in storage or sells it all and takes two young children to Indonesia. You guys are just crazy. <laughs> She's so green. You're not supposed to agree. You guys are worldly absurd. Investors, 100 times as much. They're just frankly going to receive a, 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 bigger inv- a bigger return than I am. When we get there, they're going to receive more than I am. Jesus says, it will not fail. So invest according to his promises when you really believe it. Now, Paul goes on, and he gives some examples. And uh, he has a couple purposes for this. First of all, he wants to illustrate his principle. He's like, you know, what I see is I... I, uh, I see these people, and I know their value, and I'm willing to invest anything in them, and so I do that. I make myself a slave. And he says, to the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. Now, he's going to illustrate the principle, but he's also having to defend his actions because he's got some people going, Paul, what in the world are you doing? He's been, well, it's been confusing for people. Let me point it out to you. Um, You don't have these verses in front of you. I'm just going to read them real quick. But uh, Paul's been a little, some people have found him confusing. Like they, they think he's really inconsistent with some things. And when he's referring to the Jews, he's probably thinking at the very least, maybe more than this, but he's probably thinking about circumcision, which was the sign of being Jewish, right? So this came as a part of the covenants in the Old Testament. And, and there's lots of debate still going on in the first century about that. 
And so in Galatians 5, we have uh, Paul stating a principle, just kind of flat out. He says in Galatians 5, 6, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. It just doesn't matter. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's what counts. Faith expressing itself through love. So circumcision just doesn't matter, right? I don't care. So he states that principle. In Acts 15, we see him, though, taking a strong stand against circumcision. It doesn't sound like it doesn't matter to him anymore. It says, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, quote, unless you were circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. Paul's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, absolutely, no way. So at first we have him like, yeah, it doesn't matter. And now we're like, no, absolutely not. And then one chapter later in Acts 16, look what happens. It says, Paul came to Derbe, then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but his father was a Greek, was a Gentile. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And so they went, and the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in their numbers. So you can see how people would be like, so which is it, Paul? How does this all fit together? And I think he's saying that, well, by virtue of this principle... It's like, here's what it is. It doesn't matter, but if someone's going to say you need to become a Jew before you can become a believer or God's child, I'll absolutely fight that, resist that to the end, because that's not part of the gospel. It is faith. It is grace, period. And so he will oppose that if it's going to be imposed on other people, even though it doesn't matter. And then it's because it doesn't matter. But, you see, he, he even calls it, uh, in Galatians, a freedom. We're free from that. We're free from the, the signs of the Old Covenant. But he says, my freedom is now something I can invest. Right? And since they were going to some Jews, and, and uh, Timothy had a Greek father and was known, therefore, as a Gentile, That's a freedom he could give up in order to win the Jews. It's probably what he's talking about. He goes on, probably the same group, but maybe a different issue. He says, to those under the law, I became like one under the law. He clarifies, I myself am not under the law, the Old Testament law. So as to win those under the law, he's he's probably talking about the same group, but maybe a different issue. It may very well be food, but it's the same thing. And we know Paul has said similar kind of things. The, the kingdom of God is not about food or drink, right? It doesn't matter. You can eat stuff. You cannot eat stuff. It just doesn't matter either way. You're free to eat stuff, right? But he says that freedom is a resource. And I will absolutely invest that. If I am with Gentiles, I'll eat what they eat to connect with them, to invest in their lives. If I'm with Jews, he's like, I'm kosher, right? I'll, I'll do that so that I can build relationship with them. Then he switches gears to kind of the the flip side of this one. He says, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. 
has to bring this little clarification because he's also been accused of this. Though I'm not free from God's law. In other words, I'm not a lawless person, but I'm under Christ's law. In other words, I don't follow commandments. What I follow is the love of Christ. And, and the love that comes to me within the gospel motivates me to live by love. love. So I'm, I'm able to give them things up for people. It's not about eating something or not eating something. It's about doing what's loving. So he says, I'm still a, not a lawless person. But I do that to win those not having the law. One more, he says, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. Probably referring to, to saying, you know, I'll just relate to any kind of socioeconomic group. Poor, people who think they aren't wise, doesn't matter. Uh, you know what, if I can give something away, if I can invest myself in some way, I will do that. In fact, he summarizes, I've become all things to all people. So that by all possible means, I might save some. So you'll see in your notes there, there's a little worksheet for you to carry on kind of Paul's principle to be thinking, now, who am I praying for? Who is it in my oikos I'm really focused on right now? And you're going to think about two things. What are my resources? What do I have at my disposal? What, what can I, uh, what practical need could I meet in their life? What time could I give them? What ability do I have to share with them? What, what uh, listening ear can I offer to them? What is it that you can invest and what do they need? So you match up those resources to them. Paul says, whatever you invest, it's a fabulous return. It's a great win. It's a great thing to set your life about. It absolutely will be reliable. He says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings and they will be abundant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that uh, you encourage us. to uh, think about uh, the richness of our lives, the freedoms in our lives, the opportunities we have, and, and uh, to think carefully about that and not just to run off and wildly spend all of our lives on ourselves. And thank you for setting us free from, from that temptation. And I pray you would give us great success in this season. And I pray for, for uh, each one here that as they uh, kind of focus on some individuals who who don't know you, that uh, you would give each person the wisdom to apply this principle to those relationships, to invest wildly, to invest richly in some people, and to see that uh, you are at work in the midst of that, that we don't just do this on our own, but we go with the blessings, with the power of the cross and the blessing of God our Father. We desire to do that, Father, to uh, share in the blessings of the gospel. Help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen.